ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome back to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you, producer Mr. E. Thank Mr. you. Mr. E. <laughs> Give us a sign. Enigma. Enigma. Give us a sign you're here, Mr. E. <laughs> Did you fucking hear that? <laughs> I'm going back to the van. <laughs> uh, so... You guys are talking about uh, ghostly nonsense. I got some fun stuff out of Hawaii here, as a matter mm. of fact. Uh, some strange lights have been seen over Hawaii on October 24th, around 10 p.m. Jetpack man. Jetpack man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's left LAX. He's back again. Uh, people thought it was a, a meteor shower or it looked like a plane just because of the way... The lights were spread out and traveling, so it could have been the lights on a plane. Uh, what it really turned out to be was a booster rocket from a Chinese rocket that launched in 2008. Oh. Well, I'm actually kind of surprised it was explained, because when you set it up, I thought it was going to be like, it was ghostly or UFOs. So there's an explanation. And a rocket a rocket from 2008? Yeah. That's 12 it, years ago. Exactly. It's just been orbiting. You, like you were saying, uh, uh, could have been in conversation or yeah. on one of these episodes. I can't remember either. But the space <laughs> trash, right? There's yeah. trash everywhere. Nothing but space yeah. trash. And yeah. um, I took that for granted. When I, when, I see, when I hear space trash and the idea that the atmosphere above our heads is cluttered with earthly debris, debris yeah. that we've just put up there from spaceships, um, I always think it's just a haphazard, chaotic mess up there. But in reality... What the engineers do when they launch a rocket, they actually engineer the way the booster rocket's going to re-enter Earth after its orbit. Mm-hmm. So they can almost guarantee that it's going to splash down in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the ocean, and not hurt anybody. Oh. Well, how come that didn't happen? Oh, it did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nothing happened. Oh, it was, wait. It was splashing down from 2008? It just took that long to do it? Yes. Holy shit. I, I wasn't getting wow. that part. That's what I was years. like. Yeah, I yeah. didn't get that either. I thought you were saying, like, you know, it just that's what should have happened. 2008. Wow. Sorry, yes. They okay. Did, well, no, it's just, that's how it, So they designed it to take 12 years, kind of, too? Like, they just took into account all this floating? I imagine, because they knew where, roughly, where it was going to come down. But it, I, I assumed in that where, you also know when. Mm-hmm. It's all math, man. Yeah. You know math, you know... But that kind of blew my mind because now I'm wondering, where's the online database for all of these re-entries? So if I want to, you know, billionaire Sean want to jet set around the world and just watch re-entries. Right? Just work on good shielding and just blast through anything that gets near you. <laughs> just work on that. Like we're, I'm getting sick of this. Like, oh, no, like we have tinfoil walls that, I... are, that are getting destroyed. I mean, I understand all the weight. <laughs> I love the tinfoil in space. It boggles my mind. It is. It just seems like the tape. Like we talk about the ISS. Like, oh, let's tape that up. Okay, good, good to go. <laughs> and let's monitor the tape. Kepler hey. tape or something like that. Day seven, day seventeen on the ISS. The tape is still there, but I can tell it's peeling away. Over. Like, the Russians don't believe me. I know. Yeah, I think the Russians peeling it through two million. I saw him. I saw him do it. Oh my god, that must be so chaotic up there. As far as going up there and representing your country, and then like knowing China and America have a thing right now, and you're up there with someone else from China, like, hey, how you doing? Hopefully, they're all being nice scientists. Scientists usually don't give a shit as much as everyone else usually, but yeah, I guess there could be some like untoward things. I got a story here that'll disprove that theory, but ooh, do 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 do. So I thought you would have talked about this. 
But I guess, okay, but I'm going to talk about it instead is the, um, that came out wrong. Like, fuck you, Sean. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just thought it was so topical that usually when something's so topical, we just both cover it. But uh, scientists basically are detecting water on the moon for the first time. And what we've heard this before, like there's possible moon up, like water up there. Yeah. But this was always like kind of a, uh, there was room for interpretation, they say, in the wavelength, <laughs> basically. So this is the first time they, they say unambiguously that this is detecting water up there. And how they did this is a different wavelength that's unique to water. And they detected up there, blah, blah, blah. So they've actually uh, detected about 100 to 400 parts per million on the moon. And when you think of water on the moon, there's no, okay. like, liquid water. Yeah, it's all crystallized <laughs> ice, right? Well, it could be ice in, like, the shade of basically a mountain or something. But this was kind of crazy. They think, they think there could be water in glass up there. Huh. How does that work? Do-do-do-do. Moon glass, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know about moon glass? Baked by the sun over a lot of time. No, doesn't, well, doesn't... <laughs> they didn't even call it moon glass. I'm calling it moon glass. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just making. <laughs> it's glass on the moon. What would you call it? <laughs> Lunar regal glass. Well, I call everything, you know, Earth glass. So I mean, that's just so <laughs> you do. You um, do. Yeah. Well, I always <laughs> wondered why. We do do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this glass forms on the moon uh, when a micro uh, micro meteorite impacts the moon and melts some lunar material. Which quickly cools and forms a glass. And if there's a water already present there, uh, it's formed during or delivered during impact or something from the crater, possibly. Uh, some of the water can be captured in the structure of the glass while it's cooled. Huh. So, Very yeah. interesting. Maybe the astronauts can get up there, break a bunch of glass, and drink that. Well, we've always said they're they're going to use a lunar regolith and rocks and whatnot to build their concrete, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wasn't that that moon concrete stuff you oh, mentioned. Yeah, it was like a living concrete, or I don't know, I forget which one. But I know they're going to use their surroundings, and they're going to get air. I think it's oxygen. They're getting oxygen mm-hmm. out of the the ground up there, and then they're also working on a way to use it as concrete. And so now we can get water out of it for sure. I remember they were just trying to they're trying to save on space pretty much. So like anything, we want to send dudes up there and let them use the moon material to make. A habitable area so yeah if we have like water up there now too they could just make this base right next to some water source you know throw a little moon dust in there a little concrete bob's your uncle got a little base going eh? yeah you get, you get what i'm saying you get it it's all about finding that critical point at which the uh technology is useful because right now i'm sure it takes you know a gajillion jillion tons of fuel and blah 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 to to harness water from the dirt or mm-hmm. whatever they're trying to do for sure but ultimately uh that is fun knowing that we've put this much effort into moon dirt <laughs> well i mean you really have to because every bit of space is this has to be calculated because we, we don't have the good we're tinfoil up there man it's all about tinfoil we have the shitty tinfoil shit ships up there so we just have to be like be, be precise uh, but like i said earlier too the other place that the water could be on the moon is regions of permanent shadow in polar craters and uh, in these spots, temperatures never reach above approximately negative 260 degrees Fahrenheit, creating cold traps that could harbor hidden patches of water. Huh. And they calculated that there could be as much as 15,000 square miles of such permanently shadowed surface. And 60% of that is in the South Pole. So they, basically, it's like they know there's water up there because they've detected this wavelength. They don't know anywhere where the water is. They don't know where to go. So that's like the next step is, okay, we know it's up there. We know it's in a pretty abundant I mean, the way they describe it, it makes it sound like it's just like in the dirt. Like you pick up some dirt and there might be some little water frozen particles in there. Like, mm, yummy. And you have it's to got smell, a water like, bend it out. Yeah, it's something. <laughs> you have to do something because that was the weird thing too because obviously it's either frozen or as soon as the sun hits it, the water starts to sublime where the it turns it goes from 
water. It goes. Oh, oh, oh my god! I'm breaking the studio here. It goes basically. It doesn't never melts to, to liquid. It just goes right from right. It goes from solid crystal to, to gas. gas. Yeah. yeah. And so they gotta find the frozen stuff and then fuck with it. Just maybe. like you're fucking with the mine. I know. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe they get. I'm thinking like Gold Rush. Like they're mining instead of gold. They're like mining water. Yes. We're all water nares. We just got to get the water out of the ground. Yes. I think it's here. God, yes. Oh. I love that show. Hot, yeah, dude. Water rush? Water rush. <laughs> space water rush or water space rush. I this needs to be a show. I want a story about some people, some the grandkids of the backwoods Hoffman. family who sells their uh, family plot to go to the moon and mine water. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm a water farmer on the moon. Go find that glory hole and get to the bottom of the that glory water. hole. The glory hole. The glory. No, it's like a waterfall, like an ancient waterfall. Or like, what? There's no waterfalls up there. <laughs> it's all just frozen bullshit. I mean, that's basically it. I mean, they talked about the Artemis mission, which is the next, like, the idea of... Basically, the Artemis mission is the lunar base. So, going forward, if you hear the Artemis mission, that is the planned lunar base they're trying to get off the ground. That's a badass name. It is The Artemis mission. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. (laughs) So, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on with the water thing. You know, I saw that story, and I I looked at it. I didn't get too far into it. I did enjoy the idea of, um, you are saying in the beginning, the infrared... Or excuse me, the wavelength. It was the wavelength. I mean, I think it was like basically the wavelength because we've heard this before. That there's water up there. Yes. Like, that's why when I first yes. read it too, I was kind of like nonplussed. Like whatever. Why is this? Why is this a thing? I feel like that we've already kind of know this, but this one is pretty much saying now we officially totally know. The other ones were just like we were kind of sure. Now we fucking know it. <laughs> and that's basically what this article is. And that's due to the technology they use to detect. Yeah, that it. different wavelength that's gotcha. only from water, which is infrared, right? I think that's what they shot at it. It's the same technology we use to look at other stars and other planets, and we read the light coming off of them and determine what they're made of Mm -hmm. because certain materials give off certain wavelengths. And and instead of aiming at other planets, now we aimed it at the moon and got a better reading on it. That's, I like that. That's pretty cool. Like, let's aim it at the bottom of the ocean now. Let's see what happens. See what's like, oh my God. Atlantis! That's right. So I got a story here that kind of pissed off scientists a little bit. Everything pisses off scientists. So an almost complete T-Rex skeleton has been sold at auction. Why is that bad? Well, because the scientists fear that they're going to lose the ability to research it and gain further access to the specimen. They can rent it. They could rent it, and that would suck for them. That's his money-making scheme. This guy. <laughs> uh, it was excavated in 1992, and it's nicknamed Stan after its discoverer, Stan Sacrison. So, my question to you guys is: 15 million, Bob. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's exactly it. Okay. How much do you think it's worth? Let me think. Okay, so can you give me a little? You just said T-Rex skeleton. It's a nearly complete T-Rex skeleton. Um, there have been two of this caliber, at least two that I know of and that were mentioned here, um, of this caliber. One is currently in the Fields <coughs> Museum in Chicago. I saw that one, and it was nearly complete. It's a pretty impressive Oh, that's the specimen. bone you stole, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> It's in the studio. I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, that's badass. <laughs> so, understandably, when they don't find many nearly complete skeletons, so the paleontologists are kind of pissed. Mm-hmm. So, what do See, you guys think? Okay. 
This one sold for at auction. I actually I think I might go. I was joking at that number, but now I think I'm going to do it. Five, 15 million, Bob. 15 million for yeah. Max. 10 million. 10 million for Mr. E. The real answer is 31.8 million. Jesus Christ. Ridiculous amount of money. Like you don't even you, we can't even fathom that amount in our heads. That's the crazy thing. Well, that's what the scientists were saying too. The scientists are like, this is this is uncommon and ungodly and frankly sets a dangerous precedent. Thirty million is also ungodly, uncommon. Like, <laughs> yes. It's almost like goods and services can be exchanged for. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, they were complaining quite a bit and like. Oh, that money could have been used for uh, other stuff and to to help humanity move forward with. And I was like, whatever. Like, I wipe my balls on it. Sometimes you just want to go to a water park. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Can I take a sword? Can I take a sword? I'll take a sword. Take a sword. Um, so let's see. The last. Oh, oh, that's right. The idea that this thing sold for thirty one point eight also sets a dangerous precedent for the private market now, in that it shows that people with money can really get in on this if they want to throw enough money at it. Before, it was a lot of just... Uh, Hymns and had to know people. You shouldn't do it. Well, no, I mean, they still put these things up for auction. Like okay. the last T-Rex skeleton that was up for auction in like... Uh, I didn't write it down here, but it was like 2014, 2016, something complete? like that. Complete? Or maybe 2012, I don't know. Uh, yeah, nearly complete. Okay. Uh, was Sue, and it was sold to the Fields Museum in Chicago for $8.36 million. Oh, they got a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to this one. They, they, they could have bought deal. a couple T-Rexes. <laughs> so that just shows, like, damn. <laughs> yeah, dude, the guy deserved it. Dude. That's a lot of money. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, if I was able to pay that much, fuck yeah, I'd buy it. Like, fuck yeah. I think I'd rather buy $31 million dinosaurs, though. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest just a bunch of dirt I'd have the whole Jurassic Park fuck fuck I mean the one thing would be sick and what's Jurassic Park without the main uh, a yeah. complete T-Rex mil- skeleton bro yeah, I want to keep going on. but look up some million dollar skeletons <laughs> like what if we can buy it's gonna be all lame they're all gonna be lame like man if you're not if you don't have 10 get out of here <laughs> you could have like, bought that autograph book last time for uh, it was like 3,000 30,000 or yeah, something yeah it was it was nothing yeah peanuts shit now, so part of the reason the museum had to sell this dinosaur to begin with is because they're currently in a lawsuit and the judge ruled that they need to pay. And the oh. only way they could pay is by selling their assets. Oh, my God. So, this thing got- so they're trying to get it done in one shot with the T-Rex. Yeah. What the fuck is the lawsuit about? Oh, it was they a bunch of too much bullshit. Stuff in the museum, pretty oh. much. Like, how does a museum get in a lawsuit? Fake antiquities. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a bunch of nonsense. But, That's um, crazy. The idea that they probably thought they were going to get around ten million, maybe twelve million. They ended up with thirty-one point eight. It's a good day they for came them up. too. Yeah, absolutely. Can't imagine uh, their restitutions or whatever you want to say their payout is going to be more than thirty-one point eight. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, fuck if I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the maybe pile for the thirty million. I'm still thinking maybe world domination. <laughs> I could also do. <laughs> yeah. I think I could definitely get that you done for do thirty a lot million. With thirty million. Thirty million. So I've been holding this story for a while because I thought it was fun, and then we seem to never get to it. So we're finally getting to it now. So nice. um, a team of scientists at Yale University, they developed a, a robotic fabric that can change its shape and stiffness on demand or by sensing its environment. Oh, that's like uh, Batman Begins. That's exactly, what I was, that's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. So that, that's pretty much it. The end. This is the end of the story. <laughs> but like, that's kind of what it, what, it, what, it, what it sounds like. It sounds like they're kind of getting into the idea of a piece of fabric 
they could say always be this shape and then they do something to it and it gets that shape and then they do something else and go okay go back flat i wonder wow i assume they have to introduce some sort of charge to it like an electric charge but i wonder if you introduce the charge and you can release the charge and still have it be stiff like does it lock itself in place without i have some like pictures i can show you via this little one minute video but like i'll just kind of show them to you really quick but basically it looks like a piece of fabric like almost like a handkerchief uh-huh. and just with all these electrodes all over it and then you see little like leads or like a basically a power cord to the side of this camera like don't look at that part <laughs> and, so, exactly. and so but it can have a battery pack you know in the future that's, type of deal that's still amazing because if they can engineer this technology to be like a tent material and then yes. you buy a tent and just put your your Nine volt, and like oh, gotta gotta blow up the tent, and like they mentioned high tech clothing. Put your nine volt, and it just springs <laughs> sure. into action. They said tents that make themselves. They said yes. high tech clothing, uh, robotic parachutes, which I'm not. I don't know about but the ones we have look pretty good. Like so I'm like, I mean, I mean, through, let's we don't stop bring electricity to that shit. Um, and then I'm gonna show you a little clip of this thing, but wings on a plane. Ooh, which is weird, fascinating. But it just—I'll show it to you. But wings on a plane. So I'll kind of let me get some of the science out of the way, so people, you know, all the scientists who listen. <laughs> they um they can know what's happening. So basically what these this team did, they created a couple fibers, and there's two different fibers in this material. And so the first fiber is an epoxy full of particles of an alloy called Fields Metal, which melts at a relatively low temperature. Hmm. And so this means it can be gently heated to make the fabric soft and malleable, then cool to room temperature to lock it into a particular shape. Interesting. So that's how that works. So they have this fiber that they've they mess they mess with, and more on the field metal is um it became it, it's a uh, Becomes as flexible as latex rubber or as stiff as hard acrylic and a thousand times more rigid just by heating it up or cooling it down. And then <laughs> here's what they did, too. They used the same material. They basically used the same material to um, – they put a bunch of flat strips in there. And when they tell it to do it, it, may, it forces the thing to go flat, too. That's how they make it go flat. So almost the, the act of flatness for this fabric is being told to do it, if that makes sense. Well, okay. So, I mean, as opposed to if I just pick it up like a handkerchief and drop it on this table in front of me, it would have some wrinkles in it. But if I told it to be flat, it would be flat. It will flatten out yeah. all the way. And then um, – I just scream at it, flat! Yeah. <laughs> go! go, <laughs> Clap on the flapper or flatter. Um, anyway. Um, but what's cool about this is like with the little test sample, it was able – they actually made it load-bearing. So, they put a little weight on it, a one-point-ounce weight. And normally – you know, for fabric, it would push it down, uh-huh. but it tented up and just withstood wow. this little bit of structure. Very and then, cool. yeah, they basically, and the other fiber I was going to mention is a shape memory alloy, which is basically what we're saying. Like, this thing remembers its shape. So they basically combine it to make this cool robotic fabric really quick. Yes. So I just want to show you, like, a little couple clips of this video. It's literally, like, 20 seconds long. So just describe what you see to the audience. <gasps> and then just so they, just so they really understand. Oh, hey there. Oh, there. Production value. Okay, what we're looking at is some sort of starfish. and it's, it's <laughs> That's a manta ray. A, uh, oh, it's, <laughs> it's moving real <laughs> slow. But it's uh, it's bending up, and this handkerchief looks like a starfish, and, and they put some weight, weight on, on it. it and it's covered, science. Oh, those are stitches. It's covered in stitches, right? It's like metal Oh, shit. and here's the airplane wings. This is what? the coolest one. They would fold around itself. Like one of those snap bracelets? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then does this thing just 360 through the air or barrel roll? Like, <laughs> that's what you do if you're in danger. <laughs> that's like how, to get... Well, that's how they generate the artificial gravity, right? You do enough barrel rolls. Yeah, and you all spin, of a sudden, and then you go right to the ocean, like, <laughs> with the submarine. <laughs> right. 
So yeah, that last part, just to kind of, so the audience can't see that part, basically it's like a, they're showing like a mock little plane, and the wings literally would be spinning around the cabin of the plane, and then once you tell the magical fabric to get rigid, it would become the wings of the plane. So I guess you could fit more planes in your hangar, man. Wouldn't that be cool? Huh? That huh? is interesting. Just the idea of the technology is cool. Like right now, yeah, all these examples are kind of like, you know, lame. But the idea is cool because, you know, some sick cosplay in the future. <laughs> Dude, I'm thinking about like, you know, not that like I have boobs, them or anyone in the in the what am I trying to say? The uh, current time mm-hmm. would have like those bed curtains. You know what I mean? Like, wait, like you talking about those canvas bed things? Or yeah, what? that like Sleeping Beauty had, mm-hmm. or you know, some princess would have those With the those bed curtains. posts. Yeah, the shit. bed posts yeah. and the curtains mm-hmm. hanging down, like. That shit right there, like, it's time to get laid. Then you press the button and they shoot up out of the ground. Ooh. And, like, all of a sudden you got this nice gossamer effect going on. Yeah. I mean, there's so many applications for this. That's awesome. I hope it it looks better than what it is there. And if you can use, like, a watch battery and be done with it. It was very uh, rudimentary looking, honestly, in this video. So let's not, like, paint this grand picture. It was going to change everything. But, again, I just like these are all the first steps toward these things. So you know yes. it's going to start getting thinner, better, battery pack. So you could have some clothes. I don't know what the clothes are going to do. Actually, I don't get that. Like, I guess you could have a sensor. Like, oh, it's it's... 12 degrees. Oh, like, what does that fucking matter? So, would the clothes change the jeans, shape or something? Or? The jeans will push your boner down. Oh. Well, or they'll pack that. it more. Yeah. Either way. Actually, maybe just faking out people thinking the boner's bigger. Like, you're <laughs> exactly. like, come on a four-inch tent, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Double the size. Four inch. <laughs> <laughs> that, one, that one's kind of fun. I'm going to keep my eye on that one. Think about different applications. The parachute one made no sense to me, though. That's the one I was like, what? Why? What are we? What's wrong with the new with the parachute we have? I mean, I guess is there. I have a coworker that parachutes quite a bit. She actually listens to the show. Shout out! Oh yeah, yeah. Hi. Um, God, she's probably just burst. Like, thanks for the ear burst. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm sorry. I'll have to pick her brain on that one and how it could be useful for parachutes. And okay. if that makes no sense to me, it's like why? Why are you bringing electricity into a parachute? Yeah, because they're very mechanical. It's all it's the fold, right? It just folds out. Go, puh, puh, puh. Well, there's like a series of levers, and, or not levers, but latches and uh, ropes and whatnot that you pull. And if that one doesn't pull, then there's a redundant. You it's know, like boating like, technology in a in a backpack. Boating technology, yeah. Are it's you, like yeah, like sails and stuff. Okay, it's basically yeah. a, a man sail. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, that, that was kind of funny. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. We, we were talking about billionaire problems earlier. We were. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Buy. Oh yeah. There's yeah. too many T Rexes to buy. <laughs> so I saw. I saw this story and it instantly reminded me of what you, Max, would be like as a billionaire. Oh God. <laughs> this is why. I t- okay. So two billionaires in Laguna Beach uh, went to war with each other over a statue and permits for illegal tennis courts. <gasps> that is a billionaire hobby. They love tennis for some reason. So. Um, one of them, Bill Gross, is accused in a million-dollar lawsuit of, among other things, blasting music at his neighbor's house 24-7. Oh, oh my wow. God. <laughs> the songs were oldies and a lot of TV show themes, including Gilligan's Island on a loop. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> just, just sit right back and you hear, hear a tale. A tale of a fucking asshole neighbor. <laughs> well, what's the dispute over? Like, they will both want to use the tennis courts or something? or No, it, there was uh, it was long and arduous and <laughs> people are wrapped up in all sorts of just well, blah, he blah, said blah. This. And yeah, ultimately what it was is um, 
one of these guys built a tennis court in his backyard and it obstructed the view of the other one or it was like, oh, An HOA eyesore. says you're not allowed to do that or, you know, whatever. And then they went to war over it. And, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> billionaires at war. I love it. Like, what, <laughs> like I imagine if I'm going to if I'm a billionaire. And you're annoying me, neighbor. I'm going to buy the best fucking speakers uh, oh, I can. Yeah. <laughs> Money is no object at that point. So <laughs> you really could just focus It's just focus your attention on that person. Like, there's weird, there's people in this world that you, you have to stay out of their attention. Like, I watch too many of those true crime shows. Like, sometimes you, I, there was, like, this show. It's, like, bad neighbors. It's full on, like, and then, yeah, they just fight. And then eventually one of them kills each other and stuff. It's like, dude, just you, there's people you want to avoid their attention because they, they can't. They have the resources, the power. Right. I think if I was one if I was one of the neighbors and I wanted to piss off my other neighbor, mm-hmm. I would set up like make it known that I'm setting up the best infrared cameras and all sorts of weird shit pointed at their house mm-hmm. just to make them uncomfortable. I think that'd be one of my tactics. I'll just post somewhere about free parking in our neighborhood or something <laughs> weird. And just always and then um, in this scenario I have a driveway with only one car or something, so I don't care. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna park in a driveway and then usually neighbors care about that stuff, like all oh, these people. I guess that brings shitty. Like I would be just a bad homeowner. It sounds like right. I'm just wait, wait. That would that would also hurt my house. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, wait, I'm getting. I'm waiting for the logic here. Yeah, no. Well, I just had to think it through. Uh, okay, you had more time to think about stuff. Okay, fine. I'd sign my name on their front porch. Like oh, I don't like you. Here's my address. I think I'd get a bunch of dogs or chickens and build the coop or the the pen for them as close to the neighbor's yard as possible. Mm-hmm. Definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a pig. If HOA says it's okay, mm-hmm. get a pig. Basset hounds for sure. You know, they're the Actually, most annoying. This reminded me of like Reddit posts where people would say stuff like, you know, they find the online printer of the people. So they print like the Bible a million times or something. The <laughs> yes. And then um, the other one was, I think he was doing a whistle because he was in an apartment and like a dog whistle because they had dogs. So they would freak out anonymously that's hilarious and that's how they did that's how you do it so if they have a dog you could do stuff like that that like, is that's vicious. how that's the perfect crime right there you know everything you're saying that's just a crime like yeah i think so too yeah, these are all crimes you've suggested so i think the far. cameras may be an invasion of privacy how about microphones or you build a catapult with nothing but cat food and every now and then you just shoot it over there so they get nothing but like stray cats and raccoons and possums and shit. i got it i got it all right um I'm going to buy a bunch of water balloons. I'm always just going to throw them on their lawn and they pop. And that's going to be it. But I'm going to constantly. It's a psychological. Yes, <laughs> constantly. Because once you see one, it's like some pink thing in your lawn. And especially in my mind, it's like a perfect green lawn. So you just see like some pink things. They're like, what the fuck is this? And like, like water balloons or some shit. And then, like, and then as they're like, and or maybe if they're mowing, they find it kind of gets like, or like, I don't know. If it, like, it probably won't fuck anything up. But no. then it'll be like they clean it up and then it happens again. And since I can throw it far away, even their cameras, hopefully I'll, I'm hopefully I can throw it far away. They can't have these, unless they have really good cameras or something. And then it just, you know, they could be peeing it too. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. But just, just, I think just the residue itself would be enough. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. I like that. That's psychological. You're really getting in there. Yeah. Subtle. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to show you guys this little Kickstarter thing. I couldn't tell if this was ridiculous or cool. And Ooh. so what it is, it's called Velo. And it's, elect- and it's an electric wheeled thing that you use with rollerblades. So it's basically like Ooh. a it's basically like a one wheeled thing that you just have, and then it propels you either on a skateboard or 
rollerblades, like I said. So okay. just check it out really quick. Man, they're coming out with Lots all of... sorts of one-wheeled things. <laughs> yeah, I want you to check it out and then describe to the audience what you're seeing a little bit. But like I said, it's basically a a wheel device. Almost like handlebars and a wheel. And then the guy is just on <laughs> rollerblades. So he's just driving around <laughs> on rollerblades, but it's like a weird mix of... It's not a car. It's, I don't know what the fuck. That's weird. It's it weird, weird, right? It's weird. I don't know if that's... I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I it's mean, like, it's like... I get it's, it's cool. Like, you're rollerblading, but now you have a wheel. Yeah. And now you're not rollerblading And you're not anymore. rollerblading at all. Yeah, you're just yeah. kind of being taken you're for rolling, a ride. You're only rollering. There's no blading involved. It looks clumsy. Why... <laughs> it looks I was so lame. fascinated though it by does, it. A little it looks bit it looks what'd you say? Kinda lame. It is kinda lame. I thought it's so weird too, but for some reason it kinda I mean looks, it's a it's cool weird. concept for sure, but it just looks weird. <laughs> it reminds me of a wheelbarrow crossed with a motorcycle. That's what someone said online. Like it's like a wheelbarrow thing with no barrel. Or yeah, like, totally. That made no sense to me, but that's funny you said that too. I think it looks like the front of like a motorcycle almost, but like literally the front yes. bar, and they took the whole seat and everything out of the engine, and you just like a little wheel that you're. See, that's kind of cool going downhill like that. But I mean, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you something special. This guy's really trying to skateboard with that thing. Like, I don't. I wouldn't want to try to focus costs. on anything else but skateboarding. So we kind of describe what it is. It's like a little device you'd hold in. You put it in the back of his car and shit. Um, it's basically, yeah. So the wheel has a twenty-inch rim, a four-inch fat tire, and a brushless hub motor that delivers a top speed of twenty miles per hour. Okay, it's pretty fast. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, it has all the kind of features like. Uh, you control the throttle and the handlebars. There's also a brake there, LED screen that displays, you know, speed and the battery level. And so, should you be interested, Velo is currently the subject of a Kickstarter campaign and a pledge of blank. You guys have to think of it. We'll get you one. Which or and if they produce. <laughs> <laughs> so, how much do, does that thing cost, you think? 250 300 Boom. It is $9.89. Oh god. Almost a thousand dollars for that. What? You can get (laughs) one wheel. I is it called a one wheel? It's that Uh, that unicycle or no the one with the wheel in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You have your feet on each side. The hoverboard? I don't even know what those are called. I think they're called like one wheels or something. Yeah. One wheels. So what it is you have a you have a wheel. Think of a wheel. And then uh the way it rolls, the you know, that big flat side that is rolling along, uh on either side of that, you put your feet. And it's got a platform for your feet, and then it balances you out and just speeds you along. Is it like gyroscopic or something? Totally. And it's it's fucking cool. It <laughs> looks cool, as opposed to this, which yeah. looks like it's, I it, it was belongs weird. on a yeah. job site surveying fucking distances or something. <laughs> this is weird. It's just a weird picture of, like, who's asking for this. Like, it's like, I want to be on rollerblades, but I want to go faster, but I don't want to be in a car or a motorcycle or anything. I want to go slow, but I kind of want to go quick. You know what they need to do with it? They need to give it a, um, like, a vice grip on the bottom. So, let's say it is made for your mo- your uh, skateboard. Okay. So, you just, like, grip it to the bottom, and then you adjust the wheel so it's touching the ground, and then you hold on to it like you're on a boat. So you hold on to it behind you, Ooh, and you're just and you're like you're steering, <laughs> and yeah, you got a rudder, and 
That would be cool for skateboarding, actually. I think I like that better for skateboarding. Maybe they probably could do that. Just put it in reverse or something. It just looks so fucking awkward it's so with weird. you, with your hands in front of you, and the thing is like six feet long, and it's like so it's like eight it feet just in looks front like of you. A dork and dad it thing. does. Like some dork dad with too much money, and someone would give me. He's like, "Hey guys, let's go to the park." And it's like, "What are you?" D-? It's like the Segway almost. Like, but it's like it's it's labor than a Segway. It is. Like yeah, a Segway so. would be would be way cool. At, at least that's gyroscopic. This looks like. Like the dirt bike equivalent to yeah, like a just, motorcycle, yeah. and it's like it, you're telling me it's a thousand dollars. Yeah, if that was like you said, you're if it was three hundred bucks now, maybe like I thought maybe about that. I mean, just electric scooters for like three hundred bucks. Yeah. That's yes. electric. It's one wheel. I mean, you need other equipment to use it still. So Forty that's miles like, fast. That's pretty fast. Can you imagine like I mean, I had shit a, with your rollerblades. And yes, shit? like yeah. that also sounds like a fucking lawsuit. Now that I'm thinking about well, the guy skateboarding <laughs> with it. Like, who would? Why would you want to do that? Like, don't you need ev- all parts of your body when you skateboard maybe to like kick and balance? And you're just like maybe it's so yeah. durable this that you can so like, get a boost and just like throw it. Maybe that'd be cool. Like, oh, like yeah. get a get a boost. Like, oh shit! And then, like, it folds up into your backpack yeah. and then you ride it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, you didn't mention the transformer yeah. technology. Activate <laughs> backpack mode. All right, keep speed. Keep speed, Jarvis. So, speaking of useless technology, scientists have developed a new device that can measure the temperature of an object by the sound it emits. Hmm. <laughs> so it makes me think about people with superpowers like in comics how they're like i can even hear people's emotions okay <laughs> you know now he's like that apple's 30 degrees <laughs> I, I, can, <laughs> I can hear it yeah daredevil yeah daredevil is that he can tell the temperature of things well maybe yeah I, maybe <laughs> you're right sound, yeah, yeah maybe, there you go well look at you <laughs> okay you <laughs> found a use for this <laughs> thing <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like we know that, for instance, when metal gets hot, it uh, glows. You know that can be seen, seen that, yeah. by, by our eyes, but our hearing is not adept enough to detect the sound that something hot makes. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was it's obvious like and interesting. Like, ah! like flipping out, and we just can't hear it. Exactly, exactly. They said it would probably sound like radio static if we could hear it. Interesting. So right now they can only tell you the temperature of a blob of epoxy, because that's the material Sick. they tested with. <laughs> yeah, always wondered. More study and more material materials are needed in order to really hone this. For uh, again, I don't know what purpose. <laughs> they do mention some at the end here. Space, but ultimately this reminds me of a technology that spies couldn't find a use for. So they're like, all right, here, take it, take it, general yeah, public. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Because otherwise, this totally sounds like spy tech, right? Like, Just weaponize it. That's why you can't give any technology to anyone because they can always weaponize it. So now once you know what the sound is, all you have to do is replicate that sound. And I could burn you for just sound. Huh. Is that how that works? Wow. Why not? Reverse engineering it. Yeah. Well, if you know what the sound is and how to hear it. No, I mean, I know it makes no sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, okay? This is a bad scientist. You have to have a bad idea to get yeah, a I'm good always idea. down for the theory crafting. Yeah. Man. You can't Jesus hate on the theory Christ. crafting. My, good, my bad ideas is what makes good ideas. Uh, so they say, the article mentions that this could be one day used in quantum computing. That's always, it's always some... And then a uh, drug delivery system. I was, about, I was about to say, is it some drug delivery system? Yeah, I bet. No, yeah, either that, that's that, a joke, yeah. Either that one in there. <laughs> we are always uh, bringing up 
new devices and new technology. And at the end of the articles, they always say, ah, this is probably going to be a new drug delivery system for the body. It's just a catch-all phrase at this point. Yes. You can just say, like, yeah, you know, drug, drug delivery system. Dark oh. matter. Yeah, dark matter. <laughs> dark matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just, you know, a little dark matter, a little drug delivery system. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a science article. On another edition of Kickstarter Corner. Because you guys <laughs> thought it was only one. But it was two devices I actually had. So, all right, sharks. I want you to. I want to bring up another weird device, and I want you to tell me if you're gonna basically give this person money or it's complete dog shit. All right, hit me. Speaking My of dogs, this is Kibus. It's a device that automatically rehydrates dog food with hot water and serves it up at meal times for your dog. So once a week, you'd fill a food tank with up to 4.4 pounds of dehydrated dog food, and then one gallon of water, and then you put the times in. And then it beeps, and then the dog gets a hot meal, basically. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know how much you love dogs. <laughs> I do like dogs. No, but you don't. You hate them. <laughs> I, cool. I, you know, it, dogs are so chill that they will never tell you if they have a problem with uh, eating <laughs> dry, cold food. <laughs> they want hot food. We're abusing them. Okay. Exactly. So, but again, uh, it all comes down to the price, right? So, again, I want you guys oh. to figure out what, what the price <laughs> is. But I want to just kind of show you a picture of it. Here's just a picture. Describe it to the peoples. It's actually a little GIF, actually. It's a black, looks like a paper shredder. <laughs> and then there's a tray at the bottom with uh, water and... Well, food slides out into the other tray. Yeah, and water too. So it's water and food. So you basically set it and forget it. If from another, <laughs> if you remember that old infomercial, you're old. Um, but um, Ron Popeil. Oh, is it? That's yeah, the guy's nice. Name. <laughs> you put a lemon chicken in it. You know, it's, it's pit roasted. Um, it's just kind of fun because you can just your dog's like you set up. Because I always sound, I don't own any animals, but it sounds like food's always like a fucking chore issue. He's oh, like yeah. flipping out about it, like, oh my god, hey, this and this cat's the same thing. Like, I'm gonna kill you if you don't feed me right now. And so the idea that he just like put it in this robot's hands and stuff kind of intrigued me. So if I, if I ever got a dog, I'd probably do something. Although I guess it is kind of stupid, like a hot meal and stuff. I guess it could just be like a dispenser. <laughs> like, I okay, okay. So what's the price? Let's get down to it. What's the price? There's actually a retail price, but you'll get it for cheaper if you do the. The thing. So, oh, this uh, is the Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. tell me the cheaper price or the retail price. Uh, Just know it's it's more expensive the retail price. Well, I went last time. Have I... All right. From what I learned last time, it's going to be four times as much as I think it's going to be. <laughs> so, I'm going to say a thousand dollars. Okay. Is that the retail price or the the pledge? Because it's a little cheaper. Um, I'll say that's the retail price. Okay. Okay. We're going to retail. I'm going to go. Let's go six hundred, Bob. The retail price is $585. Oh, hey! close. Oh, yeah, nice. dude. But if you pledge now, it's only $233. Oh, that's okay. a good deal. Uh, right, not a bad deal for your bad. dog. Yeah. It's not bad. The ease of automatically feeding your dog like that a hot meal, which adds value to it, because I'm sure they have timed feeders right now. Probably. Yeah, I don't. I didn't look into the technology. It just For some reason, this came into, like, when I was looking at all these weird things, it's like these weird devices that people come up <laughs> with that are... They're cool, and then you sit there and go, but is it cool enough to, to like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. Like, I think one day I'd like to own a pet. I think that, but I don't know. I hate all those. I hate responsibilities. <laughs> like, I really do. So I look at these type of things. Like, like if I had a dog or a cat, I'd probably get something like this. Just get it out of my hands. Like, <laughs> they would, like, I see the cat ones where, like, there's, like, these huge expensive egg things or the poop just, like, magically yeah. appears in a bag. I'd probably just spring for that if I had, like, all that stuff. Like, I'd rather, anything I could just enjoy, like, petting and 
None of the bad stuff. That's why I don't own animals. I'm an asshole. I can tell. That'd be mean. Well, animals are a huge responsibility. They are. Uh, yeah. Just, they scare me because they're so responsible. Ugh. That's I why I want to visit people's. I plan on getting the dog in the new studio. Ooh, That'd be cool. Yeah. Awesome. Can we name him? Can no. I name him? No. Come on. <laughs> Fuck no. You're the worst. Doggy McDogface or Bungie something. Bungie cord. It's not bad. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I just came up with that in thin air. I don't mind. It's kind of, it's kind of cute. It'll probably Bungie be cord. something uh, <laughs> punny, depending on what kind of dog they Bungie are. Bungie cord. And... Come over here. I want a Scotty. One of those things with a big fat mustache. Name it Wyatt Earp. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, guys, uh, I got some good news here from the FDA. Okay. Hey, the FDA, uh, they the, have f- f- the FDA, the FDA, <laughs> has officially approved treatment for Ebola. Is this something? Are we it still? It wasn't approved before. Yeah. Why? Uh, are we still <laughs> attacked by this? I, I didn't know. <laughs> the only way to treat Ebola before was just rehydrating the body, putting as much. You know, I get sick with Ebola. You gotta just stick a uh, needle in IV. me with, yeah, exactly, gotcha. with uh, nutrients and just feed it to me. And then in the meantime, I am going to, what are the, what are the symptoms here? I'm gonna have a fever, I'm gonna vomit, I'm gonna have diarrhea, <laughs> and I'm gonna yeah. bleed out of every orifice Jesus I have. At the same time. <laughs> Like your body's just gonna emit every fluid. It can. Now I see why you need the nutrients. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need fluid. Yeah, I didn't know this, but Ebola was discovered in 1970, or in the 1970s, I should say. Oh, okay. I hear, I always hear the like the Ebola virus. Isn't that where that movie came from? The outbreak. Where, yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's I not. I think so. Yeah, it's all about that. I don't know if that's what they're. Are they fighting uh, Ebola? They're, they're not they fighting some new it's super like strain. Matamba three or something. <laughs> like, like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Matamba, the new antibody cocktail is called Inmozeb. No one fears me, Inmozeb. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like we raised the dead, and his name is Inmozeb. Yeah, oh, I was thinking oh, like Imhotep. Okay. Imhotep. <laughs> Imhotep. <laughs> and it was created by Regeneron. Ooh, that's a cool name for, for like, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, for the Avengers. Or, oh, like okay. <laughs> Oh, well, I was thinking they, uh, it's either the latest Transformer on Earth or, yeah, <laughs> or it's like a made-up company from the 1990s TV show. Regeneron. <laughs> I, shall ha- I shall be back by Grabthor's hammer. So uh, it, I thought it was kind of interesting the way this new cocktail works. Uh, that is Inmozib. It consists of three different antibodies. One set attacks the virus cells directly, inhibiting its ability to infect healthy cells. And then the other two buff your immune immune cells to help them clear the virus away. Buff me, buff, buff me. me. <laughs> I need buffs. <laughs> buff me, hurry! I don't know if you guys also heard, but they came up with a. Uh, the FDA has officially greenlit a treatment for COVID as well. Mm, oh, did not hear that. Now this does not mean a vaccine, which is what we're really working towards. But right. a treatment if you get COVID. I see. They have officially greenlit that. Like a band aid or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Put a bandaid up. Um, the drug is called Vecluri. Fucking straight supervillains in this bitch, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What Alien happened? race. Avengers! It's Vecluri's here! Have we really That's gone through all story. the drug names? Like, Viagra? That's a pretty, like, strong drug name. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's got some drug connotation to it. If I made a, a, a drug, I'd be called, like, just Max's Potion. <laughs> 
Max is good. See, Max's potion is good for you. Uh, you have a, you have a feel bad. You want you want to feel good. <laughs> Try, Try Max's some Max's potion. potion. I call mine mana. Yeah, I need no, some mana. I need some mana. <laughs> mana. That's a mana good one. Everyone needs a little mana, bro. Yeah. Is that your energy drink? Uh, I could be. <laughs> I'm sure they. I'm sure that's used right. That's gotta. Have, I remember have. it was a, a flavor for a vape I had back in the day. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah. I'm sure Mountain Dew's done something with that, right? I'm sure. Yeah, that yeah. seems like right up their alley. Yeah. Anyways, uh, oh, this is another fun fact about Inmozeb. In 2000, between it was tested <laughs> in 2018 and 2019 in the Congo during the second largest outbreak of uh, Ebola, and. Only 33.8% of people treated with Inmozib died two weeks later. Hmm. Is that real? Yeah. Oh, well, fuck. that's still better than all of them dying right from yeah. Ebola, it sounds like. Exactly. So, uh. Compared to 51% of people who died who were treated with a different drug. Oh, okay. Okay. So, some, some lived. That's uplifting, right? <laughs> <laughs> huh? Makes your chances better. I mean. Hey. I mean, if I'm dying of Ebola, Ebola, shoot me up. Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, at that point, you got to just eat a bunch of bananas and stuff and just... Potassium? <laughs> yeah, potassium. That'll uh-huh. solve it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Is that what does it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Brondo. Yeah. It's what plants crave. So anyway, I want to talk about the Kepler mission. This is something we used to talk about all the time on that old show. We will... Um, our old podcast. And... I asked Sean about it, and he didn't even remember it. I was very hurt. But what it is, it was a telescope that was in space, and it ended in 2018. But like for the, like eight years or nine years, it was, it was up. They were searching for extrasolar planets, planets outside the solar system, and it only looked at like point, like zero zero two five percent of the sky. Like they, they mentioned, like if you put your hand above, like over a patch of sky, that's how much sky they looked at, and they found. All these thousands of exoplanets and all this data, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And so actually, this just came out today. I didn't realize how topical this was. Maybe I should have started with this. <laughs> the, the, the water <laughs> thing was more topical, I thought. Anyway, um, so according to the new research using data from NASA's retired planet hunting mission, the Kepler Space Telescope, about half the stars similar in temperature to our sun could have a rocky planet capable of supporting liquid water on its surface. So we, we're going to unpack that. Okay. So, But what does that basically mean? So, again, half the stars. So pretty much it means, like, stars that are similar to the sun, you know, certain billions-year-old, certain temperatures and stuff. They said about half of them are likely to just to have a rocky planet there. This is good. Yeah. This is good I mean, because this just shows how plentiful the idea of planets really are out there. And, you know, oh, and this is just how many are in the – habitable zone that we're talking about too the goldilocks zone yeah around a star by which uh, half of the stars similar to temperature to our sun could have a rocky planet capable of supporting liquid water so as we know liquid water is pretty good for life you still need other factors yes but this is still like oh my gosh what did what did we think it was before this announcement or did we have any idea like well, I know as we've been following the Kepler mission, we've been they've yeah. been talking about rocky planets because before the theory was it was all gas giants out there. Got it. And we couldn't even detect them for a while. And then because this, our the rocky planets are too small. Yes. Yeah. And then it. we started doing Kepler, and we're starting to look at the wobbles that they affect the star. Blah blah blah. All these calculations, and through the data, we're starting to find all these actual rocky planets. And the rocky planets are actually way more plentiful than before. So pretty much, why is this important? This. Life as we know it is probably more likely to be on a rocky planet. 
Yes. Even though we talked about Venus. Although there's some shit about that being fake. Uh, really? I, I, didn't, I didn't look at... Uh, I should have, but it was like, there could be some... Oh, stay tuned. There could be some stuff about that, yeah. So I'm still waiting on that to see if, if that's all fake or, or if the fakeness was fake. You know, anyway. Um, so anyway, life as we know, it's most likely going to be on a rocky planet. And it'd be nice if liquid water was there too. And so this is saying that like there are a lot of them out there. And so our galaxy holds an estimated 300 million... Of these potentially habitable worlds, based on results in the in the study released today, which is today the 29th wow. of October. How, so how that's, that was three hundred million. Three hundred million. So basically, it's it's all extrapolation. So I mean, we're, we're the numbers are saying sound all like basic and precise, but obviously this is the the universe and galaxies and shit. So it's going to be all off. But basically, based off the Kepler mission studies, searching for exosolar planets. They kind of could extrapolate, like, if this continues on this side of the sky, at this side of the sky, and blah, 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 the data's po- pooping out 300 million potentially habitable ones. This means rocky planet close enough to have liquid water there, and that's it. That's still cool. Yeah. Because there's a lot. And we're still working within the confines of uh, our star. We're still working with, with data comparable to our star. We're not even accounting for these giant assholes that may have a rocky planet farther out in their equivalent of a Goldie, Goldilocks. Actually, zone. they are accounting for that Oh, now. no shit. And this is why it's this way. Because before, they were saying it was kind of archaic to just say, if it's close enough, it's good. If it's far enough, it's bad. That's what they were doing, this whole Goldilocks bullshit. So now okay. they're starting to do the... Um, here, let me get to the part of it, actually, really quick. It was perfect. Um, they basically combined Kepler's data database uh, with um, another piece of an instrument it was the european space agency's gaia mission and what the gaia thing did it provided information about the amount of energy that falls on a planet from its host star based on the star's flux or the total amount of energy that is emitted over a certain amount of time so basically it's kind of what you're saying in that before we said okay it has to be this close otherwise there can't be water there or vice versa but what if it's a giant sequence this what if it's a huge this how much energy is actually touching that planet could that, like, is it too much so all burns away? Is it too little so it's frozen? So using this this new, you know, basically combining the Kepler mission and the Gaia mission, they're, that's where they're coming up with this number of all these possible habitable planets that are just close enough that so water could be there. The that's number all we're saying. That's with all we're saying. All of that data is still 300 million. 300 million. Hmm. Yeah. That's very quantifiable. You know what I mean? You could buy, what, 10 T Rex skeletons with that amount of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it, which is funny, it's like even though it's a lot in the same, uh, I guess it's just our universe, though. I mean, I mean our galaxy, I should say, because for a second I was like, oh, the universe is more than that, obviously. But yeah, it's just our galaxy, three hundred million. I guess that's a lot. It, it is. Star, is I mean, that more than Star Trek universe? Basically, I'm going back to Star Trek universe. No, I don't think so. Because abundant? how many times have they run into an alien that is just a one-off? Like you're talking dozens. Because we're talking about the galaxy. Like we're talking about, we can't even fathom thirty million dollars. You have to imagine like a whole galaxy, how big it is. So three hundred million is great. Like that's a big number. But in the, in the whole grand scheme of a galaxy, like oh, right. I almost think that's a low number, which is still a high number. I think so too. Yeah, I agree for sure. It is. I, I think it's a bit uh, deceptive as far as a number goes. When you take it into, when you take the galaxy into account, exactly. Yes, and so, but it's it's a it's a, it's a nice number. Maybe it is like if, maybe it is like a Star Trek number where it's like three hundred million habitable. Maybe a third of that gets life, and maybe enough gets warp capable. And so that could be there could be a little society out there like, hey, what's up, man? I don't know. Now we're getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, we can get into space and just yeah. whip them into shape. You know? Of course, yeah, murder. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Earth! Earth! Oh, yeah, Earth! Um, I think if you say it with an A, with an mm-hmm. F. Earth! Earth! And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then it kind of went into, like, talking about the Kepler again. And the one cool thing, again, about the Kepler mission is that it revealed more than 2,800 confirmed planets outside our solar system. And then based off that data, which I said only covered, said 0.25% of the sky, an area that would be covered by your hand if you held it up at arm's length toward the sky, it showed us all this data. God, I'm doing that right now. That is not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they found 28. And that's just not, that's not a habitable zone. That's just like they found 2,800. Oh, there's one more thing they said was cool about all these, how many planets they found. Give me one more second. You can even this out. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, Kepler mission. Ran out to uh, basically they retired it after it ran out of fuel. So after it, it was on board, it was online for nine years, and it revealed that there are billions of planets in our galaxy, more planets than stars. Which, huh? That's a fun that makes one. sense. Yeah, it does make sense, but it's something you never really think about. Yeah, you always hear like, oh, there's more, you know, this than there's more stars in the sky than sands on the earth or whatever. Yeah. But if each, but a lot of this data start to show that if it's a star, there's something going around it. You know what I mean? Interesting. There, there really is. Just, I've, I've read a couple other articles too, like that were older than this. But just if there's a star there, there's most likely a planet there. Doesn't mean it's a blah blah blah. And now this thing's saying like, you know, if it's a star like ours or whatever, habitable zones. So that's cool. More al- this means there's aliens out there. That, <laughs> I mean that that is fascinating. You know, more stuff to think about when you look up at the stars and how many planets are out there now. I I never really thought about it. But it makes tons of sense that there would be more planets. I never did. That's that was the one uh. thing that kind of I took away from this too. Is like, yeah, I guess there would be, because <laughs> that's always the thing. It's like, yeah, there's so many stars in the universe, blah blah. blah but well, actually, there's more planets. <laughs> well, switching gears here to Einstein. Not and much uh, gears. Yeah, yeah, not much yeah, gears. Not much yet. Uh, Einstein said, roughly, if the bees go, we go. Oh no! Yeah, I have heard that. So, referring to uh, pollinating insects and global warming and uh, man's encroachments and blah, blah, blah. That's why I stopped eating bees. <laughs> and uh, so, what he was referring to is that pollinators are so important to the, uh, the cycle of vegetation here on Earth that if they were to disappear, our vegetation would go. And then soon after that, us. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that reason... I bring up these pollinator stories every once in a while. Like I think the last one I did was um, bubbles. It was yeah. We talked about bubbles. Yeah. What what scientists did was they mixed uh, pollen with uh, some sort of soapy water, some sort of special soapy water, and then were able to pollinate in lab tests, pollinate a field of it uh, via just a bubble gun. Yeah, we talked about this. And so, in that same vein. There's some good news here about the uh, tobacco hawk moth. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Which, I mean, it's a badass name, right? (laughs) I can finally get that tattoo removed. Very badass. (laughs) So, it's the first insect to demonstrate the ability to adapt to a polluted scent. Oh. Now, with that. Car exhaust? Well, they tested specifically ozone in this, which is a pollutant. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, what we know about uh, pollinating insects and smog or pollution right now is that it disrupts their scent so uh, these guys said it scrambles their scent Mm -hmm. i don't know what the fuck that means but 
essentially it masks it, makes it difficult. And so what in lab tests with the tobacco hawk moth, <laughs> they've done they've done some fun stuff. Tobacco, <laughs> tobacco hawk moth. Tobacco hawk moth. Peggy, the tobacco hawk moth. <laughs> That's a great name for my dog. Tobacco tobacco hawk yeah. moth. Yeah. <laughs> what we say before bungee cord. Bungee cord. Yeah. Ah, tobacco hawk moth. Tobacco hawk. <laughs> you, you can't say that. <laughs> it's too many syllables for yeah. a dog. Yes. My mom always said she said this about naming kids. It has to be something you can scream at the side of a soccer <laughs> field. <laughs> that's whatever. The, yeah, that's whatever their name is. It can't be some weird thing. That is so funny. Uh, so, uh, researchers at Max Planck Institute for mm. Chemical Ecology in Jena, Germany, they published the story in the Journal of Chemical Ecology. Mm-hmm. And in lab tests, what they did was they exposed the moth to ozone. And um, essentially, they trained it to accept the altered scent as a food source. So it ate ozone. So what they did was they would um, they put the moth in a aquarium and then they had a tube that would feed the aquarium a scent. So they tortured it. <laughs> yeah, pretty, well, I mean, they killed it at put, the end, of course. Put, yeah, put the scent on your wings or else you get the bad scent again. <laughs> yeah, I, ultimately, yeah, really. I heard if you got his name. I'm Fuck. sorry, what's his name? The tobacco hawk. I know the, 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 the hawk moth. I remember the tobacco part. I was like, "What <laughs> tobacco hawk moth?" Okay, makes it red, reg, uh, way better than a regular hawk moth. I'm assuming it eats tobacco. Yeah, its uh, favored food was some sort of he, tobacco. He likes to party. Flour or some shit. He likes to party. Okay. Well, that was it. They they exposed it to normal tobacco scent or flower scent, and then the. Um, the uh, tainted tobacco scent and eventually they trained it that the tainted tobacco scent was also acceptable because it just didn't it didn't know to go for that it didn't Mm -hmm. like it but so after introducing it and kind of engineering it they found that after a while it would go for the tainted scent and with that in mind like you can just train a shit ton of these things and i'll say like what they train their young to do it too exactly yeah but, you know, they're all patting themselves on the back for training a moth. But really, <laughs> really, I think the moth just wanted that sweet, sweet tobacco. It's been yeah. it's been locked up in a cage <laughs> yeah. for a long time. And it's like, where's my fix? Yeah. Probably just like, I hope this kills me. <laughs> it kept it's like, what the hell? It knows. Uh, yeah, it knows like, the dangers. Uh, this is That's the gas thing. I guess I'll just breathe it in. Ah, I'm alive still. <laughs> Fuck. Exists as this pain. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like, can they teach a bee? Because I don't think, like, an apple is as potent as tobacco. Yeah. So, you know, like, they, we'll see what happens here. But I would love the idea of just hawk moths being the new pollinators. They're just fucking everywhere now, like, flying about. Okay, I want you to do a Batman impression, except instead of a bat he's based on, it was a tobacco hawk moth. Okay. Uh I'm Hawk Moth, man. <laughs> you didn't even get the name right. <laughs> Toba- uh, tobacco Hawk Moth. Yeah, thank you. I'll do it. Would I still be a man? Swear to my wings. <laughs> I'm Tobacco Hawk Moth. Man. Yeah, because you have to say exactly. Batman. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> tobacco Hawk Moth, man. All right. Where are the drugs? Where are the drugs? Where's the tobacco? Where's the tobacco? I need it, please. I don't want this ozone no more. So before we cut this one, uh, I have a Florida or Australia for you. Oh. Hey, hey, this is a quick one. Okay. 
a four-foot jellyfish washed up on this beach. It's Lord. it's no. of it's of the species pink meanie, and it's a predatory jelly jellyfish that usually eats moon jellyfish, which are abundant in this area this time of year. Its tentacles can reach up to seventy feet long. Can, but do they? Right, probably not. The sting. <laughs> that sounds like Australia, though. I'll say. <laughs> the sting would feel like mosquito bites. And that's all the information I have for you on this one. But, gentlemen, I'm going to go Mr. E first. What do you think? Florida. Do you have to pee on a sting bite? I thought that was a myth. That's my answer. By Either the way, way, I'm I think, down. That's my answer. I think, you have, I think peeing on a stingray is a myth, and it's a Florida. I think Florida, too. You both think Florida? Yeah. All right. I don't know about peeing, <laughs> but if there was the slightest chance that that jellyfish wound on my leg that's stinging like no other could be cured by someone peeing on it, I think I'm taking the chance. Yeah, just on the could. On the could. Yeah. I've heard that's a myth. I don't know. Well, as long as, you know, you're peeing on my leg, but hit my chest, too. Give me yeah, a good yeah, time. Exactly. Oh, God. Show me a good time or sure. down there. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck it. Don't tease me. Anyways, you're both right. It's from Florida. Yay. <laughs> I think you need a third country. <laughs> Sometimes they're so obvious, even though they're so close. Well, that one I felt like you tried to make obvious for Australia, so I, I went Florida on that one. That's why I went Florida. Florida, Australia, or like Canada. the USSR. Belarus. This thing washed on the shore of the USSR. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. A polar bear ate a man. Where did it happen? Just always have a third country, but we always know it's either it's always Australia. <laughs> that is actually kind of funny. Yeah. I might add that. So before we leave again, uh, I just wanted to mention that we are taking the week off next week. Yes. I am uh, moving, and it just seemed easier this way. Yeah. And the studio, I guess, will be moving, too, so <laughs> it might be hard to record. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to figure that one out. But uh, in the meantime, if you want to catch us on a podcast, feel free to tune in to uh, Switch the Envelope on November 9th. Yes. We will be guest starring on that podcast to play some games and generally talk movies. Yeah, dude. I'm excited for that. Tune in then. Hey, thanks for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Keep in mind that we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discuss, we encourage you to research them yourself and let us know if we missed anything. Submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter and Instagram, both at btmt underscore podcast. And please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.